0: are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org.
1: My good friend Jeffrey was in town this week, standing at our house, and he asked me, because we talk about sermons all the time, so what's this week all about? And I told him, and he said, oh, he says, you know the story behind this song, uh, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother? And I said, uh, no, I, I don't think I've ever heard that story. He said, you ought to to look it up. You might might find it to be helpful. And so I did, I looked it up. I was in the office like a day or two later and I said to Pastor Jake and and Pastor Dan who are in their early to mid thirties, do you guys know the story behind the song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother? You know what they said? Never heard the song. (laughs) I said, well, you've you've heard the phrase, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. And they said, no, don't think so. (laughs) What has our world come to, folks? (laughs) We called our daughters and said, you know this song, don't you? And they said, no, never heard of it. Well, you've heard the phrase. Can't say that we have, Dad. Sorry. The story, a couple of guys, Bob Russell and Bob Scott wrote it in the late 60s. An English rock group called the Hollies recorded it and it became worldwide famous in 1969. The next year, Barry, not very Barry mental, I'm sorry, uh, Neil Diamond recorded it and it became a hit again. And so partly for nostalgic sake for you and uh, partly because Jake and Dan need to know this stuff. And because it is a picture-perfect image of the text today. I kind of resisted the temptation until late afternoon and I called Nick and said, do you know the song, have you ever sung it? And he said, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I wanted to make sure he had plenty of time. That's why I called just yesterday afternoon. And so would you thank Nick in advance for singing a few lines of the song for us?
0: The road is long With many a winding turn That leads us to who? where but I'm strong strong enough to carry him he ain't heavy he's my brother. So on we go his welfare is my concern. he would not come to me
1: So the legend goes far beyond 1969, back to 1918, with Boys Town. And Father Flanagan one day saw one of the boys carrying another boy up the stairs who had polio and leg braces, and the stairs were too much for him to maneuver. And Father Flanagan says to this young man, is it difficult, is it hard to carry Howard? To which the young man responded, he ain't heavy, Father, he's my brother. It's about fighting for one another. I had this kind of cool experience two days ago at Southern Nazarene University. We had the Board of Trustees meeting and we were in the final afternoon of meetings and there's a gentleman whose name is Caleb, Caleb Herrera. He is the district superintendent of the Texas Oklahoma Latin District. Uh, it's interesting that Caleb uh, is rotating off of the Board of Trustees, but his daughter, Dania, is on the board of trustees for the first time this year. And so they, they actually sat together in the meeting. Kaleb gave his report and he says after his report, this is my final time to be with you in person, I'm retiring. I love the school, I love its mission, I've loved serving on this board, but I've come to the end of my journey and uh, and this is my last time to be with you. We had the opportunity to thank him, and people began to clap, and then one by one we began to stand. In this room that was filled with about 80 people, we were all on our feet clapping, and it became a thin place for me. I felt the presence of God. There was something special about this man who has given his life to what he believes God has asked him to do. He has served as a pastor, a district superintendent, He served for many years on the board of trustees. He's invested in the school and now he's ready to step away. But then over my left shoulder, I caught a glimpse of his daughter in the midst of the standing ovation. And she too is clapping, but she's looking at him with a different intensity and tears are streaming down her face. And she is proud of her dad. And I don't know, maybe it's because uh, I got girls, you know, but it became even a thinner place for me. And I felt like God was speaking to me saying, Rick, do you understand that there are only a few things in life that really matter? And relationships are on that list. So what if we spent some time talking about fighting for one another? If you would have said to uh, Dania, Who is worth fighting for in your life? I think she would have pointed at her dad and said, that man is worth fighting for. So I want you to be introspective for a moment. I want you to think about your life and your relationships. I want to ask you, who is it in your life, who is it today in your life that is worth fighting for? Now, I think I might be getting some pushback. I got a feeling there's some people saying, well, Rick, everybody in my life is worth fighting for. Everybody is made in God's image. Everybody that God brings into my life is worth fighting for. Everybody matters. Everybody has worth. Everybody has value. Everybody has feelings. And so maybe instead of asking you the question, who is it in your life that's worth fighting for? We should just agree on this, okay? And that is simply that others are worth fighting for. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? If I ask you to name some New Testament names, who would you say? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mary, Elizabeth, Peter, Paul. It's what we named our kids. How about Onesiphorus? Just thinking of that one. You say, I I, I don't know that I know who Onesiphorus is. Kind of an obscure name, but he made it into the Bible. And you might say, Rick, if I was going to have a real conversation with you about Onesiphorus, you're going to have to tell me what he's known for. So here's what he's known for. Fighting for a friend who was going through a hard time. That's it. That's what Anisiphorus is known for. So let me take you to 2 Timothy, okay? We're going to be in chapter 1 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, you've got to lean in, and you've got to look me in the eye in these next few minutes, even though you're trying to find that passage. I'm sorry, I've given you two things to do, but you've got to hear this, okay? It's been a while since he wrote 1 Timothy, all right? Think about this now. 1 Timothy, he writes from prison, but... Prison is probably a rented house. Friends are free to come and go and visit with him. He has high hopes that he's going to be released. His spirit is positive. His attitude is up. When we get to 2 Timothy, we think that he's been imprisoned for a second time. Conditions are very different. Conditions are not good. In fact, he is convinced that he's not going to make it out alive. He says to Timothy in this letter... The time of my departure is near. He didn't mean from prison. He meant from this world. I'm going to die in this place. And so he writes Timothy, instructing him about what's happening in Ephesus, but at the same time, he becomes very personal. So here we go. You ready? Chapter 1, verse 15. You know, don't you, Timothy, that everyone in the province of Asia... Has deserted me. Now you understand, this is where Ephesus is. What wait wait? What do you mean? Deserted him. He he lived among them, he preached the gospel to them. He's the first one who ever told them about Jesus. He stayed and he taught them. He did life with them. He discipled them in the faith. And now he says, They've deserted me, including Fagellus and how would you pronounce that? Hermogenes, Well, why does he single out two people? I think it may be because they hurt him the most when they deserted him. Now, if my mother, or rather, if Paul talked like my mother, he might say to them, well, you of all people, you with me? He he might have expected others, not these guys. But but then it turns with the next sentence. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Now, I want to say Onesiphorus, but when Max McLean reads the New Testament to me from the INIV version, he says Onesiphorus. So I'm going with Onesiphorus, okay? Because he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of me or my chains, not only was he not ashamed of me, on the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Not easy to find me when you think about all the house prisons there are in this huge city of Rome, but he didn't stop until he found me. And so he prays again, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day, meaning the end of the age. And then he says, and you know, don't you, Timothy, how very well, how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Onesiphorus fought for his friend when he was going through a difficult time. I want to I just talk about the sad story of Paul. It, it breaks my heart. It hurts me. Because I think about him being this guy. If Jesus is the first missionary, you good? left, came to tell us the good news. If Jesus is the first missionary, then I think Paul's the second one, right? Travels the world to tell people about Jesus. Leaves from Antioch and goes on three missionary journeys, planting churches, sharing Jesus. The gospel spreads from there. I mean, when you think about what he did and you think about he comes to this place in his life where he says, I feel all alone. I feel deserted. I feel like I'm by myself. And you think about what he went through to share this gospel. The only way that I know to do it is to give you his words. So I'm going to give you a lot of them, okay? Here we go. This is from 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians rather, chapter 11. He said, "I've been in prison, and this is all about the gospel. I've been flogged. You know what that means, right? It's a whip across the back. I've been exposed to death. 5 times I received 39 lashes." Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move, meaning on the run. I've had to stay ahead of the people trying to catch me. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, and danger in the city, and danger in the country, and danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and I have toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and I've been naked. And he later says, I literally bear across my body the marks of Jesus Christ. It was so bad that there were people who said we don't want anything to do with him. We know he was the one who told us about Jesus, but we don't want we we don't want to associate with him. Do you remember the people in Corinth, their issue with Paul? He's poor. We like following preachers who have money. He keeps getting beat up. I don't want to hang out with him. I don't want to get beat up. He gets keeps getting thrown in prison. And, and the implication is that he doesn't present himself very well and not a very good speaker. And, and people just, for two reasons, backed away. They're either ashamed or afraid. This guy's dangerous. And, and so when he comes near the end, let me give you a few more words, and this is what I read to you a moment ago, and then from chapter 4. Everyone in Asia has deserted me, Timothy. Including Fagellus and Hermogenes. Listen to his heart. Could, could you come to me quickly? Demas has deserted me, he's gone. Only Luke is with me. This breaks my heart. Someone I love very much spent a few years in prison. And in those first weeks, we had no conversation with her. And, and I worried myself sick at night that she was cold. He says, Would you bring me a coat? At my first defense, at my first trial, everyone deserted me. Nobody stood there with me. I was there, and I was sentenced, and I was by myself. It's it's a sad story. And you want to go, wait, wait, Paul? The guy who did so, I mean, he's like our hero, right? I mean, if he walked in here, we would, you talk about firing up the the singers and and the players. I mean, we would just you know but but that's not his story even paul went through hard times i'm going to put something on the screen that you're going to say that is so obvious why did you put it on the screen i made it so obvious that i want you to say to yourself why would he put that on the screen that is so obvious you ready here we go everybody goes through difficult times in the course of their lives now is that not obvious well then why would you put it on the screen because we forget that the people sometimes sitting beside us are struggling and they're hurting. We we hurt people and people hurt us. Tragedy comes in life, accidents, tragedies, all kinds of things happen to people around us. And sometimes people feel very alone And sometimes people feel deserted. And here's the question. Who's going to fight for them? And when you are low, who's going to fight for you? I brought a story. Fear gripped the heart of the soldier as he saw his friend fall in battle. Caught in a trench with continuous gunfire flying over his head, the soldier asked his lieutenant if he might go out to bring the fallen comrade back. You can go, said the lieutenant, but I don't think it will be worth it. Your friend's probably dead, and you may throw your life away trying to save him. But the lieutenant's advice didn't matter, and the soldier went anyway. And miraculously, he managed to reach his friend, hoist him onto his shoulder, bring him back to the trench. And as the two of them tumbled into the bottom of the trench, the officer checked the wounded soldier and then looked kindly at his friend. I told you it wouldn't be worth it. Your friend is dead. And now you're wounded. It was worth it, said the soldier. What do you mean worth it? Responded the lieutenant. He's dead. Yes, sir, the private said. But when I got to him, he was still alive, and he said to me, "I knew you would come." That's Onesimus. Paul is—he's abandoned. He—he's in prison. He—he's—he's he's down. He's—he's uh, he's heavy. Um, Life's been unkind, and he comes to the end, and he's by himself, but a friend comes. You know, it's the only time that he's mentioned in the Bible, Onesiphorus. How do you get in the Bible anyway? (laughs) You fight for a friend. And so, let me just give you four things that you see in the passage that will help us know how we can fight for our friends. Okay. This is how he fought. This is how we can fight. How do you fight for one another? Well, he refused to abandon him. You know what? I'm not ashamed of you. You're still my friend. You're my brother. You ain't heavy. I'm with you. Even though all of this has happened to you, we're still together, Paul, and I'm not going to turn my back on you now. I think the second thing is that he went to where he was. Do you understand the power of the ministry of presence? Well, I don't know what to say. It's not about what you say. It's about being there. Sometimes it's about saying nothing. Sometimes you just cry with them. But I'm learning as I get older the power of the ministry of presence, of just being there. When I broke my leg and I was laying in a parking lot in the cold, a little lady cradled my head in her hands, and the only thing she said to me was, I won't leave you. And that day I learned something powerful about the ministry of presence. Something powerful about just not being by myself. Somebody coming to me. And so Anismus does. He goes to where he is in spite of the danger, right? He's knocking on doors. He's following up on every clue. Being warned every time of the risk. You don't want to associate with that guy. But he went to where he was. The third thing that he does is he put his friends' concerns first. Do you know how dangerous it was to be associated with Paul? We're talking about 61 a day, 61 AD. Do you know who the Roman emperor is? Nero. He is persecuting Christians like crazy. I'm sure people were saying, you don't want to find that guy. You need to go back to Ephesus. But he put his friends' concerns above his own. And then the fourth thing is, he met his friend's needs. He brought him food, he brought him water, he brought him clothes. He gave him money. He said, "Paul, you've got physical needs. I'm going to meet your needs." And thus Ephra said, "Paul, you're not heavy. You're my brother." I was listening to a podcast the other day by my friend Michael Johnson, and he was interviewing Terry Toller, and I gave you those names because you would know some of those guys. And Terry Toller tells the story about moving when he was a very little boy from the mountains of West Virginia to the Columbus, Ohio area. He said, "We were poor." Very poor. Uh, Mark, his brother, is very funny. And Mark said we were so poor that uh, we couldn't pay attention. He said we were so poor that my daddy would take us to Kentucky Fried Chicken and we would lick other people's fingers. That's poor. But we went there for my dad to try to find work. Started going to this church, and they just opened their arms to us, and they just loved us. It got to Christmas time, and we had nothing. My brother Stan, my brother Mark, my dad, my mom, and I. And on Christmas, there was a knock at the door, and it was the pastor of the church with some people from the church. All with a box toys for us kids more food than had been in our house since we'd lived there and they all came in and set it down on the kitchen table I love the way Terry said it he said we had been going to that church but that day that church came to us isn't that cool we're not going to abandon you We're gonna meet your needs. We might even put your own concerns above ours. Love it. It may be this morning that there's somebody in your life that God is saying, fight for them. Can I get that last slide again? Is there somebody that God is saying, don't abandon them. Go to where they are. Put their concerns above yours. Help meet their needs. Would you stand with me? Nick's found a song that he wants us to sing together. And as we do, I'm just going to tell you what I see in my mind happening. Stepping out, coming down, Making a commitment this morning, Pastor Rick, I'm going to fight for somebody that's here. I'm going to pick up a card, and I'm going to go back to my seat. And this week, I am going to pray for that need. So I don't envision some really heavy, reverent, be quiet, barely make eye contact, maybe a nod here or there. No, I'm thinking high fives, fist pumps, handshakes. Pat's on the back. How are you doing? I hadn't seen you for a while. I'm okay if the room's noisy. I think we ought to be community and we ought to be family. And we come together as one to say we're going to fight for each other this week. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's sing and let's pray for one another.
0: Sometimes it's hard for me to understand While we pull away from each other so easily Even though We're all walking the same road You'll build dividing walls Between our brothers And ourselves But I I don't care What label you may wear if you believe in jesus you belong with me the bond we share is all i care to see and we can change the world forever if you will join with me join and see you're my brother you're my sister so take me by the hand Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Yes, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the head. Together we will work until he comes There's no foe that can defeat us When we're walking side by side As long as there is love We will stand Oh, you're my brother You're my sister so take me by the hand Together we will work Until he comes There's no foe that can defeat us When we're walking side by side As long as there is love We will stay. As long as there is love We'll stay. Amen. What a beautiful sight today. As we leave this place today, may we remember to pray for each other, lift each other up in the name of the Lord. May you go with that in mind today. We're so glad that you've come. Thank you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.